Hello, and welcome to the Evolution Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. Dave, I'm going to kick it to you. Why don't you tell the folks what we're going to be talking about this week? Yeah, so this week we're going to talk about how subscription models really are taking over. We've seen this, you know, throughout e-commerce, and it's now bleeding into sports, so we thought this would be a great topic. I guess when I say subscription models, what comes to mind first? Uh, for me, it's, it's cord cutting. Uh, and a lot of folks have gotten away from having cable and having to pay for direct TV, plus your internet, plus your phone, the triple play bundles, all those fun things. So for, for me, it's cord cutting. When you say subscription models, I go immediately to cord cutting. And I, I guess we can't talk cord cutting without some of the big players in the market. So Netflix, Amazon Prime, I guess Hulu to a better extent. Um, which one of those do you have, Dave? All of them, actually. Um, so I think this is definitely the future. You're seeing all these companies invest so much in the content and they're building that subscriber number and then um, focusing more on profits down the road as I think that subscriber number is going to lead to that. But it's cool to see this take over more areas than just like digital video content. Um, so I think MoviePass is an area that we wanted to talk about too, that this one hasn't really worked out as well as people hoped. Um, if those who, those who aren't familiar, it's basically a subscription model that allows you to go to you know, an unlimited amount of movies at a certain price. Do you think that's appealing? Do you think that can you know, work in this day and age? Um, I think it was a good idea in, in theory. Um, yeah. Hey man, I'm gonna pay 15, 20 bucks a month and I can go to movies whenever I want. Um, I think what they didn't realize is a lot of subscription-based models make their money on people forgetting they have it. Um, you know, first, you know, we talk about cord cutting and Amazon, Netflix, Hulu. I've got all of them myself. Uh, but I think the original subscription model is your your gym to kind of go with the, where it originally starts. You know, most people get their gym membership. They don't go very often. So you're paying 30, 40 bucks a month. You go to the gym twice a month. They're making a great, great bit about a money, great bit of money off of you. And I think MoviePass was trying to go based on that. It's hey, people go movies maybe twice a month. Cool. If they some months they may not use it. So for my 15 bucks, I just made some money. Where I think they failed is when you gave people a chance to go to the movies. People are now suddenly going to see every movie out there or movies that think, oh, would I go see that or should I just wait till it comes out on theater? Yeah, I think that's the hard part too because there isn't like a direct savings with that because. I wasn't going to four or five movies a month before, so I'm not seeing that impact on my bottom line. Whereas we just saw Burger King come out with $5 for a small coffee every single day for a month. Um, I think that's a really, really smart idea because A, they're struggling in the breakfast game. B, people spend so much money on you know Starbucks, Dunkin' coffees in the morning um, to get this, not only to go viral, which is probably part of it, um, getting all this free publicity and all this, this mentions of their brand is really big for them. Uh, but then also getting people to come into your stores, download the app where you can send push notifications to them and coupons. To me, that seems like a, like a huge win and just a really smart marketing play. When people are spending you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month on their coffees, um, is that something you might take advantage of or you kind of stuck in your ways with that? Um, I'll be honest with you, I make a lot of coffee in the office now because I was spending 40, 50 bucks a month on coffee, if not more. Uh, by the time you start adding in what, you know, even a regular coffee at Starbucks cost, I think the kicker for Burger King is their quality of coffee has to stay strong. Uh, it's one of those, I think if they spend a little bit of money really bringing in some better coffee, you're definitely going to see more people take advantage of it. Um, you're going to have those, you know, Gucci basic people that still want their Starbucks or something like on those kind of lines, but I mean, it's a really great idea. Five bucks for, you know, for your coffee for the month, but odds are you're not coming in just to get a coffee. 
you're going to come in, grab a coffee, maybe a croissant, which, or you're going to come in, grab a coffee. Even if you, if they buy more than one thing occasionally, you're you're doing well for Burger King. So it's it's a strong move to get into that breakfast market and try to steal some of those daily coffee drinkers that, you know, maybe they grab them at a grocery at a maybe the grocery store if they do coffee. Like mine has Starbucks, and that's the only reason I thought of that. Um, but you know, you pop into a gas station normally get your stuff. Well, now maybe you'll pop over to Burger King, grab that, and something else. So it's a, it's a pretty solid idea. I mean, coffee's got to be good though, otherwise. Unless it's just your daily stop, you're not going to do it. The one that yeah. really, that really kind of got me though was Domino's. Um, like them, hate them, they are what they are. Um, I think they're pretty decent for what it is. But they're new pizza rewards that you got to sign into the app and do things. Um, but they'll give you rewards points regardless of where you get your pizza. Um, I think from a marketing standpoint, it's pretty good. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, when you shared that with me, I think that's an awesome idea because, like you mentioned offline, you're having that app on your phone. You're going into the app to take a photo of the pizza which you're having. Domino's is always on your mind, and giving some rewards which can only be used at Domino's, that seems like a win-win. Oh, yeah, because odds are, you know, even if you say, hey, I think it's you got to do six pizzas to get a 41 kind of deal, you know, buy five, get one kind of deal, five different orders. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but somewhere along those kind of lines. Even if you're doing outside of there, odds are you're not just going to get your free pizza from them. You're going to get something else. So even if that just brings in an occasional client that they may not have gotten, it's a pretty solid move. Yeah, definitely. We're seeing a lot of these, you know, box services. So you'll see Blue Apron. If you ever listen to a podcast, you probably heard them advertised or a bunch of other competitors. They're seeing the same boxes for, you know, liquor and wine. Probably heard the ads for Wink um, and clothing boxes, too. And it's interesting with these, I think a lot of these do fall back on, maybe you forgot to cancel them and they keep them longer than you intended. Um, but it is all about convenience and even like Dollar Shave Club's another one where they're trying to, you know, have everything be as easy for you as possible. And what you're paying for in addition to the goods is the, you know, the convenience that it gets delivered to my door. I don't have to think about it. I know personally, I haven't stepped foot in like a Walmart or even like a CVS in a long time because everything I get is just like delivered to me, whether it's through Amazon or Dollar Shave Club. Um, are you using any of these products? Uh, Dollar Shave Club, I don't. Uh, honestly, I don't go through razors that much. Um, I do keep a beard for pretty much three quarters of the year. Mine is football season where I'm not allowed to have one due to, due to some uh, league rules. We gotta stay pretty clean shaven for that. So that's about the only time I do a lot of shaving. But even then, from a Dollar Shave Club, I don't I don't quite do it. Um, I haven't got really into the big box services. I do a lot of the other ones like Netflix, uh, you know, Domino's Rewards, Starbucks. Where you gotta pay using the app. But it it's a great concept because I think it really fits in that gym model we were talking about earlier. Where man, eh, maybe you forget about it. Oh, cool, I, I got something. It kind of fits into I think where we've gone as a society as far as convenience. We're willing to pay a bit more for. You know, you take a look at like Blue Apron um, and those different kind of food boxes is, hey, I don't have to worry about cooking or going to the grocery store now. So I'm paying a little bit more, but look, all my stuff's done. And all the instructions are right there for you. So meal prep, I don't have to be a chef. I don't have to know, you know, great recipes and whatnot because they've got everything here for me portioned out. All the, you know, food is fresh and ready to go. Um, so I think it really is a cool you know, a cool way to get your product and then also make it a fun experience, which is what they're also selling. I guess if we transition this to sports, this has been going on for a while, really, when you think about MLB TV, which I had in college now almost 10 years ago. Um, Getting old there, big fella. 
Yeah, 10 years ago to be graduated only. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. I mean, um, even MLB TV now is still pretty good where they've gotten it so you can pick your favorite team or you can pick your favorite team uh, you know, for a little bit cheaper and only have their games versus having having the whole thing. I mean, you look at NBA League Pass, uh, NFL Sunday Ticket. You know, I knew guys that were basically slingboxing. You know, one of my roommates was a huge Jets fan because he was from New York. So, you know, he'd, he'd sling, basically sling his, his dad's TV to Central West Virginia so he could watch his Jets games on Sunday. So, um, are you doing any of those MLB TV League Pass or t- Sunday tickets? No, for me, Red Zones replaced that, uh, at least on the football side. So, having everything, you know, in one place, all the big plays, all the big scores, um, I think that's just kind of changed the game for the NFL and probably has hurt Sunday Ticket a bit. But it's just so, when you're watching, you know, Red Zone every single Sunday, it's so addictive. And when you get back to a single game, it can be tough. So, these, I think these subscription services, especially the ones that kind of cut up the games and give you the best parts, can... Uh, take away from the individual games, but it is such a you know great thing for their sports too. Yeah. Do you use any of those besides Red Zone? Um, I've been doing because I live in North Carolina now. I don't get a lot of Phillies games, so I was doing MLB TV a bit. Um, it was kind of nice. I could catch those. I was able to watch you know Chase Hawley's last games at Dodger. You get a little Vin Scully action. So like, that was pretty cool. Uh, Red Zone's usually the big one because uh, like I said, my wife and I cut the cord, but we will pull back in live TV usually during football season for a little bit and pull Red Zone to go with it, so we pay it just for a few months. But the tweet I found interesting was, Red Zone averages about a million viewers on Sunday, or network games are still averaging over 10. Uh, so they say Red Zone really kind of appeals, I guess, to the hardcore fan. Uh, I know my mom and dad aren't a big fan of Red Zone because for them, they're used to tracking one game and they're not 100% sure of, hey, what, what's going on because it keeps jumping. So, for, I guess for us millennials and our ADD, Red Zone really fits in well. Yeah, I think it does. And it also complements your home team, right? So, home team numbers are always going to support the, you know, network game. That's never going to change. Eagles fans are always going to watch Eagles games, Giants fans, Giants games, and whatnot. But people are watching more football, I think, because of the Red Zone. When the 1 p.m. games then you switch over and you watch, you know, all three of the 4 o'clock games instead of just watching one of them. Yeah, and I, I can't, honestly, I can't stand watching a full network game with commercials and everything else. Uh, it's the one thing, I guess, where we've cut cords to kind of go with my wife and I's experiences. We don't have commercials anymore. So then you get to place where, like, okay, cool, we had a kickoff commercial. Uh, three and out, he punted commercial. Well, they scored commercial, extra point commercial, kickoff commercial. Uh, drives me up the wall. Uh, but I think one of the things from a subscription model that the NBA's been really, really good on is where you can buy the fourth quarter for $1.99. Um, it's genius, in my, in my view. I think if the other sports should get into that, uh, especially if you look from an NFL standpoint, if you can grab, you know, fourth quarter for a, a couple bucks for whatever game you're watching, or fourth quarter OT for something. I think it, I think that's a, the model I think they could really take off. Yeah, that's really smart for the NBA to be doing that because that is the time when an NBA regular season game gets interesting and worth watching, even if it's not your teams. I think one of the biggest, I guess, barriers to them right now is that they're not available on a lot of, like, smart TVs, app programs, um, which to me seems like a big miss. I don't know how easy that is to resolve, and there's probably, you know, regulations that I'm not thinking of, but... To me, it would be really, that'd be a nice thing to have on your TV that you could just flip around and be like, oh, this is, you know, a good close game I want to jump on right now instead of figuring out how do I download, you know, League Pass on my, you know, smart device, whether it's a PS4 or whatever it may be. Uh, that seems to be like a hurdle that I'm seeing. 
yeah, so I think it's going to be one of those. They've got to get one that's compatible, I guess, with probably the Android Marketplace. Because uh, I'm trying to think of my Sony Smart TV connects to that. Or you got to make it so it's really easy to just kind of stream through your phone and then and just, you know, send it straight to your television, which I've been able to do um, with college basketball. So that's been kind of nice. And then once you start it, you can do whatever you want on your phone as long as it's still going. It's not a big deal. So I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's an area that will improve. I think as long as people subscribe and take advantage of it, it'll be pretty good. Um, but even, you know, you kind of get away from the leagues and kind of go to the the piece of the piece of the resistance of, of sports broadcasting and ESPN, even they've changed their model to keep up. Yeah, they turned basically Insider into ESPN Plus, which I think we both were pretty skeptical about, you know, to start. I've come around pretty far on this, that they've invested so much money into content, and that has been the reason why I think Netflix has been so successful and other players in that market you know, the content drives subscribers, and they're putting a lot of money into that with MMA, pretty much now, if you wanna watch MMA, you have to go to ESPN Plus, they're putting all the big fights on there. Um, They have a lot of original programming, so they brought over Katie Nolan from Fox Sports 1, they've got Matthew Berry's Fantasy Show, they've got these detail shows with Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant that take a deep dive into um, kind of what the quarterback or what the basketball player is seeing on a certain play that we may not see on TV, which is pretty cool. And then they've got all the 30 for 30s there housed that you can just watch whenever. Um, so for me, this seems like, you know, a good play for them. Where it's only five bucks a month. It's a really limited in- investment, but kind of like Netflix, there's a lot of content there, hours, you know, hours and hours you can spend there. And it gets people used to, you know, subscribing to ESPN and looking for the next show. And as they keep investing in that, I could see, you know, some success here down the road. Yeah, you figure from an MMA standpoint, uh, your standard pay-per-view is probably 100 bucks. So if they're replacing that and putting most things on there, uh, you know, basically for the price of one pay-per-view, you've got your year's worth of MMA covered. Uh, so you might be able to pick up some more programming, some more content. Um, and then at that point, you're just having to try to have subscribers and, and eyeballs on your own stuff to hook them in with something else. Um, I'm still, me personally, I'm still not sold on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I haven't watched a lot of the 30 for 30, so for me that one's not a huge kind of hook. I'll be probably check it out for the stuff with Peyton Manning, Kobe Bryant, kind of see those kind of deals. That's kind of where I guess my hook would be is the more behind-the-scenes stuff uh, just because I, I officiate football, so my football season gets pretty busy pretty quickly. Uh, so I don't have a ton of time to sit down and watch that stuff. So I catch a lot of mine through Red Zone, but I, I'll be curious to see how it works. Like I said, at some point they will have to turn a profit, so I guess – you know, I think it's a good model. So I guess the, the next part is you look at where ESPN's lost a lot of stuff and you see the rise of The Athletic. Yes, The Athletic is one of my favorite stories. Basically, um, it was a startup. It's behaving like you know a tech company. It's growing so fast, but they've been poaching writers from across the country, um, growing astronomically. It's been like a joke on Twitter that, um, you know, blank person is joining The Athletic. It's always happening and now it's, you know, it's become such a norm on Twitter, but they've gotten a bunch of big names from across the country. The business model is pretty simple. It's that we're gonna have you know, national coverage of all these sports with some regional focuses as well, um, but just have high quality content that drives viewership, that drives um, subscriptions. And they're trying to make it you know, worth your while as the reader, you're not gonna go there for hot takes. And they're, even one of their slogans was like, you're not gonna find LeVar Ball content here when it launched last year. Uh, but to me, it's pretty cool because you're signing up for you know a $5 subscription and they're judging their writers based off the content they write and the quality of it, whether their audience is enjoying it or not, um, by like a rating system at the end of an article because you can say if it was 
you know, like a Matt article, like it wasn't great, or it was really good, or it was excellent. And by doing that, um, they're able to, you know, judge the quality of the writing beyond just clicks. So a, a misleading headline that may drive a lot of viewership, it may drive, you know, advertising sales isn't being um, prioritized over the quality of the content. So to me, it's pretty awesome. Have you gotten to check it out at all? Um, I've checked a few. Uh, for me, it's just a matter of trying to find the right amount of time to be able to kind of sit down for a lot of those things. The quality of writing is important. I think that's a very big deal. It's nice to see a website that's prioritizing that versus over what crazy thing can Colin Cowherd or um, you know Skip Bayless or Stephen A. say that's off the wall and frankly stupid that just gets people talking but they're really good at driving clicks because they say the stupidest stuff just to get you to pay attention so the focus on, on quality writing is really important to me um, so I'm definitely going to check it out a little bit more so I, I know it's a big one so yeah they've grown from I guess being a startup about a year and a half ago I think so as of last summer, they had 100,000 subscribers, which is pretty good for a, you know, basically a newspaper company online that behaves in that kind of format, which um, that's great growth in just such a short time. Yeah. Are they the ones that the athletes themselves write on? Is this the one Derek Jeter? No, that's did the it? Players' Tribune. That's the but Players' that's Tribune. that's also done really well. Yeah, I know. I guess that's kind of, I guess, the players' version of the athletic, where they're focusing on on a lot of quality things from the guys themselves. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Players' Tribune. Like, I just really should remember which one it was. They, they kind of blur together after a while uh, just because, like I said, you kind of get in your routine of hitting, you know, I, I make sure I hit my, you know, baseball perspectives during the baseball season. I check these things. So I kind of get it kind of in a roll. But, yeah, the, the Players' Tribune is kind of important for me because I like hearing what the players actually have to say. Uh, it's not spun through somebody. It's not usually gone through too many layers to scrub. So you kind of get an idea of what they're actually talking about. Yeah, I know when that came out, I was pretty skeptical because it had Derek Jeter behind it and he's never been known to say anything interesting. So to me, that was, you know, an odd fit, but it's allowed players to tell some really cool stories. Um, and it, they have ghostwriters to help, you know, organize their thoughts and whatnot. But for me, there have been some really impactful ones. Like I think Allen Iverson did one, Bruce Irvin. Uh, and these ones were spoken just as if they talk so it gave you a really you know real feel that you're not going to get through maybe a newspaper article or you know even a tweet exactly so uh, i think the big one that's kind of where we've seen a lot of the, i guess an up-and-coming one is when john skipper got run out of espn he he kind of went off on his own so what's your thought on that yeah so he started dazn um which is going to be basically a live and on-demand sports platform with a subscription service. Um, so far they have boxing. They brought on Adnan Virk, formerly of ESPN, to kind of head up a lot of their baseball stuff. They're going to have like a whip-around show, which will be kind of like red zone in a way from football. Um, similar to what MLB Tonight does where they hop around the games and have some, you know, guys in the booth talking about it as well. Um, to me, I think it's just really interesting because, you know, at ESPN, I'm sure he was involved with ESPN Plus, um, sees this as the way of the future, and... You know, starting out with boxing for now, and I bet they're going to expand to more sports down the road. Maybe be a, you know, a larger player for live rights um, for other sports, and that's such a valuable commodity that I think it's an interesting move and something to watch going forward. Yeah, I think like you saw, ESPN Plus grabbed MMA. Uh, I think boxing, it's still got its diehard folks. 
uh, you know, there's still, I guess it'd be Friday Night Fights. You'd still get it on Showtime. You get some HBO stuff. So there's still there's still a market for boxing. Boxing's missing that big personality. Uh, you know, Canelo Alvarez does pretty good there. Uh, but I think it's just kind of missing a little bit more on the storylines to kind of to kind of really pull them back a little bit more mainstream. I think MMA kind of stole a lot of that thunder. ESPN left basically baseball from a daily standpoint. Like they said, uh, I don't know if you read the NBC Sports Sports article. It was talking about just basically how forced ESPN Sunday Night Baseball is that they have this seven, eight storylines they have to talk about at some point during a game. And it just instead of really just kind of letting the game speak for itself, because uh, you know baseball is a day in day out kind of a grind, and, and they're really trying to force these storylines down your throat, whether they fit or not, because they don't. They're you know ESPN is only showing baseball basically on like Wednesdays and Sundays now. Hmm, yeah, that's a great point. I didn't really, I hadn't read that, and the Phillies were on last night on Sunday Night Baseball. I did notice some of that. And I thought maybe it was due to just being the start of the year, but that does make sense if it's their only time to speak baseball, and you know they have. Buster only actually on the games now because they have to put them, you know, on some kind of broadcast and baseball is being deprioritized even across sports and other platforms like that. Um, that's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, so it kind of brought in how you get your local guys can really, and if you kind of go back, I don't want to say the old school guys, but you take your Harry Callis, your Vin Scully's, your Jack Buck, your... Uh, Bob Euchre, those kind of guys that can kind of really let the game breathe and, and speak for itself. It's a lot less forced. Um, you know, Vince Gully tells stories, but they're fun and whimsical, and they just kind of flow well within the game, where if you kind of watch that ESPN broadcast, they, they have their set storylines they have to talk about, regardless of whether it fits into the game or not, and it really just feels clunky and, frankly, it's just bad. So... I think, I think there'll be a lot of opportunity in getting your, if you want to make baseball a little bit better again, standpoint. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, letting the game breathe is such a thing that announcers often don't get. And you see it with NBA broadcasts, too. I like what NBA TV is doing. They're trying to mix it up by going with players-only nights. They're doing, like, referee nights where refs are the only ones talking about the game, that's, which is interesting. That's different. Uh, yeah. That would be an interesting... There'll be a niche for that. Like, I, obviously, that like, can't be at every Thursday's a referee night, but right. I, I would be interested to see if you did, like, one player, one ref. Uh, so that, some, that's what they need. That would yeah. be what you'd need because then, you know, a couple refs and a player, so you get the player's perspective, oh, that's definitely not a foul, or a ref goes, no. Nope. You know, based on what the rule says, that's a hand check that, that should be called. Or, hey, I'd love to see a ref like That's definitely not a call I'd make. So that's a it's definitely like, good move. It's like Mike Pereira in football, but just having the person in the booth with them. Um, I've noticed in the bas- in the players-only ones, the conversations get far off the games, and it becomes a conversation about larger league topics, kind of like what you mentioned with um, ESPN and MLB. So I think that could be an issue there. But I'd like to see, as you mentioned, mix it up. Have like a, a traditional broadcaster, a former player, and a ref. That'd be really cool. Yeah, you just got to give you. You can't get too many guys in there where you're talking over each other. It's kind of like I said, right. really kind of let it go, let the game kind of speak a bit for itself. So I think that's kind of where the the future would be from a broadcasting standpoint. Uh, so I mean, I was reading a lot of just kind of different things as we started baseball season about where guys are as far as broadcasting stuff goes. But to kind of wrap us back in, do you think the subscription model is going to be the future of sports entertainment? Yeah, I think it will be. Um, 
I think the biggest hurdle is, you know, live rights and that those are such valuable commodities that they're going for huge, huge amounts of money. I mean, for me, I think the um, biggest hurdle is really kind of losing out on a bid for those in the near future. What are they going to do with these YouTube, giant lucrative contracts? Facebook, We've seen a lot of money. Of you see a lot of money get pumped into these huge baseball deals, these huge deals to put things, uh, you know, ESPN spent a ton of money is the one I kind of lean with as far as where they've just spent a ton of money. So are the subscription models going to be able to still give the leagues the amount of money they want, but maybe be broken up into a lot of smaller chunks? That's possible, I guess. Um, I'd be interested to like see how that business model will work, but I guess that could be the future. Yeah, I, I just think right now you kind of look at how much money has been influxed in baseball and these huge deals and how much money the – the NFL makes, but you kind of look at where ESPN overextended themselves and paid a ton of money for a lot of sports programming that, frankly, they were bidding against themselves, and it really kind of shot them in the foot. So, Yeah, I think you're going to see... I don't think the bubble's going to burst for live rights, but I do think the model's going to eventually have to change. Um, and I'm going to be curious when the first time is that a subscription model or like a digital partner you know, beats out one of these cable providers or cable networks for a, you know, a major sport. Yeah, I think it's still a bit down the road. Yeah. Uh, from a lot of times, you know, you talk about a Netflix really doesn't turn a profit uh, for how much original programming and things like that they are pumping money into. So from a turning a profit standpoint, that's kind of going to be the big thing. So you kind of take a look at, you know, ESPN Plus is can they make enough money for what they're paying for? You take a look at, some kind of where these subscription models go. I think it's probably a, a 15, 20 years down the road. I, I think a subscription model will have a lot more live rights, but until they can really get the, the cost effectiveness and what are they paying versus what are they getting, that's kind of where the key is going to be. Yeah, I think it's something to watch in the next like two or three years where this is going to be a prime topic. Um, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Me too. Uh, so we're going to kind of, I think it's going to wrap us up here for today. Uh, I do want to thank you guys for listening as always. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, like, as you know, you found us where you normally download your podcast, so make sure you tell your friends about us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrewFerraro88. You can find the podcast at Evo Sports Pod. And Dave, tell them where they can find you. Yep, D Sanders877 on Twitter. Excellent. So always hit us up. Let us know what you think. Uh, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. If you got let us know what you think of the subscription model, whether you like them, hate them, think it's just going to be a fad. Until then, we'll talk to you guys next time.